Before we begin the show this week, a little bit of a follow-up. Ministry Bits is not dead, uh, contrary to popular belief. And thank you so much for all the people who have written in, who have uh, expressed interest in the show returning. And uh, I do apologize for the sudden hiatus, but there's just been some um, issues in uh, my family, um, my extended family, and health issues in my extended family, and uh, different things like that, and a job change and a move. All that combined to make a, a not a good situation for anything extra in my life to happen. So I really do uh, apologize for that. Uh, there won't be many ch- changes on the show uh, except for the schedule and for the show notes. The schedule will be fortnightly. It will be every two weeks. Uh, well, so you'll expect two new episodes every month. Uh, I think that's much more manageable for me. And uh, the show notes will be much more minimal uh, and they will have just kind of lists and different things on there, and that's just one of the sacrifices that I've had to make uh, to, to make the show because uh, show notes are just so time-consuming, fetching links and uh, formatting them correctly and different things like that. So if I see a big uproar with the show notes, then I, they might return, but I, I highly doubt it. So, But we thank you so much for your support. We thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you so much for your interest, and please uh, uh, re-add us in your podcast feed. Uh, of choice, a podcast catcher of choice, and please uh, make sure that you go to uh, chadl.co slash mbits to see the newest shows. Nothing has changed with the feed, nothing has changed with the uh, subscription, different things like that, so just uh, make sure to resubscribe if you uh, if you have not. So thank you so much for um, listening to the show. We've had 33 wonderful episodes, and uh, hopefully we'll have 33 more and well beyond that. Thank you so much. Enjoy the show. This is Ministry Bits, episode 033, Workflows with David Arthur. Ministry Bits is proud to be a part of the AIM network of podcasts. You can find more information about that at adventuresinministry.com. Check out all of our free resources and our other podcasts as well. Make sure to like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ministrybits and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash ministrybits. Well, good morning, afternoon, or evening. You may delete as appropriate. I am Chad Lemon, your host for this Ministry Bits episode here. And uh, we are happy today to have a guest with us, David Arthur. David Arthur is the Oak, uh, he works at Oak Hill, works with, rather, the Oak Hill Congregation in Evansville, Indiana. David, uh, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you this morning? I am very, very good. And David, you've had a busy uh, last uh, week or so. You've been finishing out uh, finals. Uh, you are actually a um, an old friend of my wife's, actually. Tell us tell yeah. us a little bit that, about that connection a little bit. Uh, we went to, to church camp together every summer, and uh, I we went, oh, probably six or seven years together and then wow. i was i think i was actually at your wedding i might have been late you, you were i think i and, was there and that's what the, my wife just told me she's like oh i love david arthur and and i love his family and and she's like he was actually at our wedding he was late but he was at our wedding <laughs> and she's she made sure to point that out to me so but yes i appreciate you coming and then we got married up in indiana up in noblesville indiana that's where my wife's hometown was and uh you knew her through that connection. It was really cool of y'all to come. I did I did notice it was a crazy day, but I did notice a large group of Bonnie's friends coming, which was super cool to see that day. 
I, I, I will just say that we were late, but that that was not my fault. I was not <laughs> driving. But we made it. <laughs> you did. You did make it. And it was a wonderful day. So, and thank you for coming. Uh, it's seven years overdue, but thank you for coming. <laughs> Uh, so you work with the Oak Hill um, uh, Church in Evansville, Indiana, Oak Hill Church of Christ there in Evansville, Indiana. Tell us a little bit about um, what you do with them as far as, uh, as not necessarily regarded to tech. You are the tech uh, guru, the tech guy there, and we'll get into that in detail here in just a few minutes. But tell us what else you do with them and how you, how you are uh, involved with them. Uh, well, I've been going to Oak Hill for about five years. I moved here into town um, the the winter before I got married uh, in the summer my wife was a student here at the University of Evansville so I've been there about five years and uh, I started out um, uh, I was uh, before I went came to Oak Hill I had been working with the church with their youth group and, and doing their song leading and helping them out so I came to Oak Hill doing pretty much nothing just as a member which was strange but I've over time picked up more and more responsibilities, and uh, my wife and I are now in charge of the youth curriculum, so we do the Bible classes and, and make sure we've got all the curriculum ready, and uh, I teach the teen class while my wife teaches the, uh, she's teaching the toddler class right now, but she usually rotates. Very cool, very cool. So y'all do that, and you're you're greatly involved with them, and you are, um, I guess you're finishing up a master's, am I correct? I am. Um, trying to. I, I'm still a uh, Doing my bachelor's in okay. web design, okay. I uh, started out studying uh, radio and television, and then I picked up photography, and I did photography for freelance for several years before I've come back to school a couple years ago. Okay, so not so much involved in the photography uh, that that much anymore. Um, I, I definitely do a lot. I uh, work for the University uh, of Southern Indiana as their one of their student photographers with, okay. in their department, but. Uh, Education-wise, is more focused on computers and web design. Well, I'd love to hear what you uh, what you have to say about some um, some photograph and uh, photography stuff there with um, how you manage photos and things like that. Maybe we can get into that in here in just a few minutes. Um, but what I re- we really want to talk about is is the specific kind of setup and the technology, the way that that Oak Hill there is using technology and what you've kind of got them set up with. So if you could just kind of summarize for us what you what kind of apps and services, different kinds of setups that, that you have, and maybe we can even work through um, some difficulties or problems that you've had too. So just let us know about that. So when I came five years ago, uh, they pretty much weren't using any kind of technology at all. They had a projector that they used periodically, but um, no one really knew how to put things together and put a slideshow together every week. So uh, after a couple years, I started doing that. We had a, a projector that just sat on the – somebody had built a podium, and it sat on the podium in the middle of the aisle. <laughs> and it was a cheap projector that they had bought to, to try and get by and see if they'd use it, and it was – it was not bright enough, and I was using my own laptop and the own stuff that I had. So uh, over the last couple of years, we started doing more and more. Um, we bought a new projector and spent quite a bit on it and uh, really raised the, the quality of what we had. And so I, I installed that, and I had a uh, – I bought a, a mini um, uh, a Mac Mini and started using that as, as the full-time projector and computer to, to do slideshows every week. Okay. And uh, the, the biggest problem, I had helped some churches set up uh, projectors before, and the biggest problem that I always had was how does the person who's on the stage or behind the podium or up front, how are they able to see what's on the, 
the screen behind them. Yeah, because that's, that's always a problem. Yeah, you you can you can do it if you if you just you always have to pretend like it's not there if you don't know if you can't see it, yeah, and, and that just gives a huge problem. Yeah. Well, we've got it. We've got it set up here at Church Street. We've got, um, and we didn't mean for it to be this large, but we have a huge screen in the back that is as big as the front screen. So we've got, I mean, two huge screens back. But the only person that's really looking at the back screen is is whoever's in the pulpit and the preacher and and figuring out what that is. But what got what kind of um, what kind of deal did you have to to solve your problem there? Did you have? Uh, um, there's a lot of different ways I've seen people do this. Um, uh, they've done a monitor in the, maybe the front pew, like a flat screen monitor in the front pew. I've seen people install, uh, like a flat screen monitor in the pulpit and with like a glass over it or something like that. Uh, what, what, what did you guys eventually figure out that you wanted to do? Well, well those are options that I've looked, that I did look at. Our, uh, our, our building is really big. So I was afraid that I was going to have to go just as big or bigger, like you said, of a projector in the back and mm-hmm. I didn't really want to do that we didn't have a good place to put it and the monitor on the front pew I've seen before but our it's still a, a good distance away from the podium yeah. so uh it, w- it was still going to be hard to see it and so we y'all got kind of really that really big monitor y'all, y'all kind of got that expansive op- auditorium where everything is kind of far apart and really nice and spread out right we we have a really big auditorium wow, from okay. front to back we're we're probably about a hundred feet Whoa! They so say that's double what Church Street is. Church Street from pulpit to the back wall is fifty-two feet, so it's yeah. exactly half. So yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty big. And that's about the size you said at Church Street is what um, the size that my dad has, where he's the minister in Bloomington, and they have a uh, someone just bought a really big television and they put it up, and uh, it's still a little small, but you can tell what's up there and make sure that it's the right thing. Well, so let's let's talk about that for a second. I would I would surmise that this is one of those problems that most newer built church I would assume that y'all's church is a newer newer built church right it's probably what in the last 10 or 20 years uh I think it was built in about the late 80s I think so yeah, about so. 25 30 but they 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 spread out these churches in the 80s and stuff and they they make them much more expensive they when they redesign auditoriums or when they um, have current and modern auditoriums they're they're nice they're big and that poses a problem like you said seeing church streets auditorium it's not a problem for us because we could virtually put a monitor anywhere and anybody could on the pulpit could see it and in some smaller churches that's going to be the case but when you've got these other modern churches you're going to have to make sure that the the person behind the pulpit can see uh, what they're presenting and what's what's going on exactly so what did y'all ultimately decide oh uh, well I had been experimenting with different uh, pro- um, different programs like PowerPoint and keynote and I I had seen that you could take keynote and use it with an iPad and control the slides as well as see what's uh, see what's the next slide on the iPad uh-huh. so I didn't have an iPad at the time um, so I borrowed one, and I kind of experimented to see how reliable it was. Uh, I experimented with some different apps to see if we could do it with PowerPoint and if there was anything that kind of synced. And uh, there were a couple, but none as reliable as just using Keynote. So um, when I bought the computer for the projector, I I'd already decided that this is what I was going to do. So I made sure, and I, I bought a Mac. I bought a used Mac for three or $400 that doesn't do anything except run Keynote and PowerPoint. Yeah, yeah. And I bought um, an iPad Mini. Uh, I think it was the Retina one, but it was just the cheapest one that I the, the 
that I could find because that was all that we were going to use it for. It's not going to hold any data. It's just going to be used for Keynote. Yeah. And then I bought um, a dedicated router because I had I have a nice router installed in the building because more and more people are using um, their phones for um, for their for their Bible uh-huh. during service. Uh-huh. So I, I didn't want to use that router to to run the PowerPoint just because I didn't want it to get clogged up with everyone's devices. Yeah, and that's a that's a great idea because um, if you lock you get one of those and you lock it down and nobody can get on it, that means that that's a an entire router that you can use just for sending the data and using the remote on the app, on the iPad. Did you use uh, did you use anything like an Apple TV in conjunction with it or did you just go straight with the Keynote remote from uh, the iPad to the the Mac mini? Um, I thought about using the Apple TV but I got uh, the router that I have I just bought used um, just a used Apple router and I didn't even plug it into the internet so it just sits plugged in just for this purpose. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. And that way I, I, I didn't deal with all the other, um, programs that could be, that could be a clogging, clogging up the bandwidth and, and, and slowing it down. I found that, that Apple routers, obviously your Apple hardware is going to work with Apple hardware a little bit better than some other things. And I've got one of those, the, the old style airport expresses where you plug them into the wall. They look like a power adapter, yeah. But you plug them into the wall and they're like a little Wi-Fi router. Well, I take that when I go to speaking engagements and different things like that. And just like you said, it doesn't need the Internet. Some things when I do air display and do things like sending it from my phone over to the computer screen or to the projector, uh, different things like that. It doesn't need the Internet. It just needs a router to go through. And so I just plug it up into the wall there, uh, sign into the, the, the Wi-Fi, quote unquote Wi-Fi, like it would normally do, except there's no Internet attached to it. And it works really fantastic. So it sounds like that's what you're uh, that's what you're doing with this setup. That is it's a. I have one of those smaller routers, and I'm going to use it this summer. Um, I use it at home, but I'm going to use it this summer at camp to to do the same thing. But uh, I bought the the router on eBay for like eleven dollars, and oh, it's about nice. the size of the mini. Yeah. So I plugged it in. It sits inside of the podium, and since I've, I I have better luck connecting to it from far away with the with the computer than I do with the iPad. So the iPad is literally three feet from the router. Nice. And I haven't had any issues since I started using that router. Very cool. Do you keep the iPad secured in some way so people just can't come up to the podium and grab it, or or uh, or what? Um, I usually I, I've been plugging it in underneath, but I think I'm going. Um, we're going to start leaving it locked up in the in the um, creature's office. Ah, okay. So that it's it's charged up and, and ready to go every week, and we can always find it. For a while, the first few weeks that we started using this, we were he would leave it up by the podium or in an aisle or I'd leave it on the back table and I would have to spend the first 10 or 15 minutes of when I got there on Sunday morning trying to find where I put the iPad. So you're just using the keynote remote app on the iPad. Yeah. It's, it's the regular keynote app where you can create the slides on the app, but oh, it okay. has the new remote function. Right. Okay. okay. So basically what you're seeing is I have it set to show the current slide and the next slide and um, whoever's doing uh, leading songs um, can change the slides if they want to, or we can have someone at the computer changing slides. And then the preacher can change the slides um, just by tapping the screen on the iPad. Okay. Let me ask you this. Um, do you have the Mac Mini hooked up to a monitor and to uh, the projector or just the projector? Um, it is hooked up to both. 
Okay. So um, you can see it um, right now. Um, I haven't bought the right adapter, so all you see on the monitor is just the current slide. Yeah. But once I, because the the projector I bought is limited on its on its plugs, so I need to buy the the right adapter to get HDMI to something. I don't even yeah. remember what it is. But I, eventually, I'd like to get it to where you can see the current and the next slide on the screen, so you know what's coming up next. Because that's way easier when you're clicking slides for someone else. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like that sounds exactly like uh, what I've seen a lot of other people do. But it's it's nice to have those um, multiple options on some of the modern Mac Minis where they have the HDMI and the Thunderbolt coming out, which is really mini DisplayPort. And yeah. then you can just yeah, the, buying the adapters is a pain. But if you can get through that, if you can buy a I don't know a VGA to HDMI adapter and stuff like that and run it to your projector, um, projectors in my experience didn't really have. HDMI is widespread until the last few years. So odds are that if anybody's buying a used projector out there, that it's not going to have HDMI built in and you're going to have to adapt. So if you have a HDMI laptop or, um, or Mac mini that you're going to have to actually go, um, from one, one adapter to another, you're going to have to adapt that signal somehow. So, and that was an issue. We ended up buying an older model projector. So I have, like it has some BNC cables and some TVI. Um, wow, inputs. BNC! Wow. Yeah, I was really surprised <laughs> to see BNC cables. Well, and you, you know what's funny about that is that we just bought some uh, equipment for Graymere's uh, TV studio, and I'm going to have an sh- upcoming show about that. Um, and it's got BNC uh, SDI K, uh, like connections all over it, and it's like I guess that's what. I guess I'm just a, a noob, I guess, when it comes to that kind of stuff, but that's what video professionals use, but it was the hardest thing in the world for me to just get an HDMI to SDI adapter. They don't make anything like that hardly. So yeah, if you ever see the SDI or BNC, I don't know really what the difference between BNC and SDI is. Do you? Uh, I, I did at one point when I studied television, but I haven't worked in it for many years, so I don't even remember the difference. I think the proper name is SDI now, maybe. I think that's what they try to... I've read in so many different places, though, that that, that kind of stuff is just marketing, and it's just kind of people trying to get you to buy extra cables or something. I don't know. So, But yeah, that's that's kind of wild that you would have a BNC cables and different stuff on it, and it's, that's that's wild. It shows... It's not it's not necessarily that it's old, but it, that it's they've got those kind of inputs on there, but they don't choose to put an HDMI input, which is kind of the standard now. So I don't know. But it was uh, definitely, uh, I'm still having trouble finding the right adapter to fit it. But so right now I've got the, uh, Thunderbolt to VGA, um, from the mini to the projector. And then there is a VGA out, um, on the projector. And that just runs back to the monitor since they're not far from each other. Okay. So it's not the most efficient, but it works for now until I can find the correct adapter. Well, speaking of efficiency, how do you get the, uh, and how, how is the, are, are the keynotes created? Do you create the keynotes yourself, maybe on your personal Mac and then kind of, uh, do an old style kind of USB transfer up there? Or do you use something like Dropbox to sync it up there? Um, I, I've been using a combination on the, I will create the, the, the slides, um, the, the bulk of the slides and, and put the songs together on uh, my MacBook Air at home. And I have a Dropbox file that's shared between um, an account on the mini as well as the preacher. So he will drop in his um, his lesson slides and I'll put them all together and then I'll drop it on to um, 
onto the the mini at church through that shared Dropbox folder. Very cool. Okay. Uh, yeah. One new app that I have been using is um, Google Remote Desktop. Oh so yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I had been looking for that honestly to to help the secretary at church with, with problems that she's had because we're about to buy her a new computer. But uh, since I got that Google Remote Desktop, I after I dropped the put the file in the Dropbox folder, I'm able to uh, log into the computer um, from my house onto the computer at the church and make sure that it's in the Dropbox folder. I'll open it up and have it ready to go. And if I could figure out how to turn the projector on from the computer, then I would just have the whole thing running before I even get to church. (laughs) That would be nice. You may be able to use, um, I don't know, some of the new home automation stuff, like the, uh, the plugs and switches that you can connect to the internet. I know Quirky, the, the the website Quirky makes some of those that you can connect them to the internet and you can flip them on from your iPhone and all sorts of different things like that. Yeah, you maybe could uh, work out something like that. That'd be that'd be super cool to be able to have that ready to go right when you get there. It would be a lot easier. We, we'd like to start running our uh, our announcements and stuff before church starts. And uh, if, if I can get it all set up before I even walk in the door, that'll be a whole lot easier. That would be cool. And that the Google Remote Desktop, that's just a basically just a VNC client where you can just log into uh, any computer that has Google Remote Desktop running on it as well. Um, and you can just basically see their screen inside their screen. And uh, there's apps for iPhone and, I, um, iPhone and iPad that you can use to do that. I know I've used Screeny before, I believe, and it allows me to log into my Mac as long as it's connected and on. Uh, on the internet there and I can log on and see my entire computer screen on my iPhone screen and get a file if I need it. But uh, Dropbox usually solves those problems because I have everything in Dropbox and everything is just there. Yeah, I've got it installed on, uh, I have a desktop at home and my laptop that I carry around. I've got it installed on the, the desktop at church as well as my uh, Mac Pro in the office at the university. So I can get it on, I can get on any of those computers from my phone and use it just like I was sitting in front of it as long as my internet connection is fast enough. And it's it's really nice. Very cool. Well, David, that's a re- that's going to help a lot of people, I think, when, when we talk. We've talked about projector setups before on the show, but it's always good to hear of it, about a different, um, I guess, a different perspective on different things and how you can – I mean, this is really – besides the cost of, of the projector and the, and the Mac Mini itself, uh, this is something that you can do relatively cheaply. And uh, you've got an iPad, you've got a Mac Mini, and you've got a projector. And for probably what under twelve hundred bucks, you had all this uh, set up and ready to go, and minus the you know the setup for the screen and everything. Uh, well, depending on how big your, your building is, because we had to spend uh, a lot more than that on the projector itself, because we had to shoot it you know a hundred feet. Yeah, yeah, you had to get a long throw lens. Yeah, which, uh, we had to probably, get probably had to spend what about eight grand or something on that. Uh, between the the lens and the projector stuff, I think we, it was about eight. Wow! But, but uh, if your church isn't as big, you know, you're not going to have to spend that much on a projector or one as bright or such an expensive lens. But as far as the mini and the iPad go, it was a really easy solution. Where otherwise, I was going to have to run cable 150 feet or more. Yeah, and you don't ever want to do that because no. if you can do things, this is kind of that we're we're kind of entering the wireless age, and there's a lot of stuff that you can do wirelessly now, and um, you can do wirelessly over a, a long a long range. You could do wirelessly for a long time, uh, but you couldn't do it over a long range of, of, of things. And now you can do it over hundreds of feet sometimes. And it's uh, it's really, really convenient. And it still re- retains the quality that you yes. really want in a projector. Yes, exactly. 
Well, that was uh, that's a really cool way to, to to set things up, and I know that's going to help a lot of people. There are a lot of people listening to the show. They go, they try to find out what they're going to be uh, have their projector set up as, and that's going to help a lot of people. Let's uh, move on and talk about a couple of. Uh, I want to get. I want to. I want to get. I'm going to start asking all of my guests this. Um, I want to get the top three. I don't know if you have. Do you have an Android or an iPhone? Oh, I have an iPhone. Okay. I, have an, I just got an iPhone six, probably four or five months ago. All right. Okay. So if you would just give me uh, a rundown, let me give me, give me a rundown of like the top, maybe the top three apps that you use the most and and why and how you use them. Well, most of the apps that I, I, I almost refuse to spend money on apps. I'm (laughs) just a weird thing. Like if I can avoid it, I'm going to try to avoid it. So I use the, just a regular Apple Podcast app for a long time, but I've recently started using Overcast. Overcast is phenomenal. I love it. And as much as I hate spending money on apps, I did buy the extension for Overcast, and I started trying to use those extra features that they put in with, like, I think it's like $5 to to get the extra features on Overcast, and it's, I love it. And it syncs with my iPad, too, which... um, the podcast app didn't sync very well. Yeah, and and Overcast when you when you talked about you paid for those extensions, the app is free, uh, so you can download Overcast for free. But to enable the extensions, and, and we'll talk about that in a second, it, it's five bucks. And one of those extensions is something that I have missed. I, I don't know how I did without it. I really, it's called Smart Speed. Mm-hmm. And it will allow you, it will shorten the silences between words on spoken podcasts. Now, if you're listening to music and it's not, it's not really going to work all that well, but for spoken word podcasts, it is absolutely phenomenal. And I love it. I've, I'm, I looked at mine the other day and I said, it. I think it said it saved me 11 hours. Uh, I listened to a lot of podcasts and it say it had saved me 11 hours uh, on spoken word podcasts. So yeah, Overcast is phenomenal. What else you got? Uh, I, Overcast is one that's used every day. I have just the regular apps for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, we, we we talked about some of the apps a minute ago before we started recording, and I do have Pinterest on my phone right now. <laughs> it's only for Vacation Bible School. Okay, I have so Pinterest helpful on there. for that. I have Pinterest on there for our house stuff and for Vacation Bible School as well. So yeah, yeah, I completely understand. Yeah, as soon as Vacation Bible School is over, Pinterest is deleted. We we get to we get to retain our man cards because we have <laughs> Pinterest and we're using it for VBS. We can do that as long as you have an excuse. It's it's understandable. <laughs> Okay, let's do uh, let's do one more. Let's do one more. If you, got, uh, if you can pick one, uh, and then on my homepage, you know, I have the mail apps, I have the ESV Bible app, but the one that I've been using a lot lately is Feedly, and I'm really behind the game in RSS, but I've been using Feedly for the last month or so, and it's been so easy just to to keep track of all the things that I like to read on yeah. a regular basis. And uh, I've been using it. I put it on my iPad as well, and I've been using it a lot for, for all the blogs. And I love that you can organize into different topics. And I have one for photography and one for church stuff and one for uh, web stuff and Mac tech. And it's it's been really nice to have all that stuff in one app. Did, did you ever use uh, Google Reader back in the day? I didn't. I, I I read blogs the the slow way, just the old fashioned way. Just I clicking just on the the tabs bookmarks, right? On my bookmarks, yeah, and would just go in there that way. Yeah, and I did that for a long time until I found uh, Google Reader, and that was back in college, I think, in, in about two thousand seven or so. And then in two thousand, what was it, fourteen, maybe 13, like 13, 14, Google just said, "Hey, Google Reader, we're killing it." And 
Millions and millions of people use it to read RSS. And, and I, when I say RSS, that's real simple syndication. That's what it really means. And you can subscribe, quote unquote, to websites and unsubscribe at will. And you can just get a article delivered to that feed uh, in your RSS reader. And there's a ton of uh, RSS readers. Uh, and Feedly, like you said, Feedly is really, really great. Feedly kind of took up the mantle when Google Reader uh, kind of you know left and, and went away. So you can actually sign in uh, with your Google account on Feedly and it will pull out um, if you transfer, if you use Google Reader back in the day, it'll transfer all your old Google Reader feeds. And it's got, I love, I love Feedly's interface. I love the, the colors. I love the brightness and the fluidity of it. Um, it's actually a really, it's the most basic RSS app out there right now. But at the same time, it's probably one of the best um, unless you're just some sort of crazy power user and you read a hundred articles a day it is actually really really great so yeah great pick great pick it's got some really nice uh, search features to find new stuff too and well yes. sometimes I think I, I don't need to find new stuff because that just takes more time but it's really interesting some of the stuff that I've been able to find through the app that I wouldn't have found just searching the web well, I'm itching to ask you about uh, what kind of things that you use for, t- for photography. I w- we'll do kind of like a bonus app cap or whatever you want to call it and, and talk about the kind of the, maybe the main app or, or one of the few apps that you use for photography. And you do this professionally, so uh, you will probably be using, um, I'm, I'm guessing, Photoshop and Lightroom. Uh, you probably What do you use as photo management software? Um. Most of my stuff I just use out of uh, out of Finder on the Mac. Um, so you just I, have nested using... folders, just have it in, in folders on your Mac. That's probably one of the best uh, things that you can use. Yeah, I uh, my own stuff, I don't shoot as much as we do here at the university, so I have my own stuff just cataloged in year and... Uh, By event what, or something like what that. What event or what shoot. Um in, in the office here on campus, we have um, some different codes that we use for different colleges and different departments but it's basically just organized by year as well very cool um so and you and you're using do you use lightroom what do you use lightroom for because i'm having a hard time i'm a huge photoshop user and i do graphics in photoshop and i know you probably shouldn't use photoshop for graphics but i use uh, photoshop for graphics and photo editing as well but i really can't seem to find a purpose for Lightroom, what do you use Lightroom at all, or is it is it what what do you use it for? Um, depending on what I'm shooting, I use Lightroom a lot for a, like a wedding where I'm going through hundreds and over usually well over a thousand pictures. Um, I do all of my my quick edits. I, I adjust my exposure, I adjust the contrast, and, and those things just go so much faster in Lightroom than having to open them each one up in Photoshop, and then. Um, like basic dodging and burning and some some easy um corrections like like skin corrections and, yeah. and stuff like that I can do in Lightroom. And then when I really get into the detailed stuff is when I open up in Photoshop. When I'm using masks and and, and things like that. I did a um a, a photo for the alumni magazine for the university here and we had um five pictures of profile pictures of of some students and then I laid them all out and made it look like they were all standing next to each other. Oh, so okay, yeah. in, in Lightroom, I, uh, I adjusted the exposure and the white balance so that they were made sure they were all the same and made some light corrections. And then I brought them into Photoshop and cut them out from the backdrop and, and did the detail editing in Photoshop. Okay. 
So, so Lightroom more for the for the kind of the batch changes. Like you're going to make um, the same kind of changes in exposure and light and stuff like that to five photos, but for the detailed kind of graphical changes, you're going to go into Photoshop for that. Yeah, and then I also use Lightroom to organize each shoot. Like when I when I'm picking out my favorites, I'll use Lightroom to to make the selections and and export them all as the same file, and while I leave the rest of them in their raw format. Very cool. I'm just an amateur photographer, but I I know a couple of professional photographers that swear by Lightroom. They love it. I tried to uh, boycott Adobe when they went to the the subscription package, <laughs> and uh, I found an alternative for Photoshop in uh, Pixelmator that was really great for what I was doing at the time. But I couldn't find anything to replace Lightroom. Uh, yeah. Aperture was still there at that time, but I knew that it was going away, mm-hmm. and I I just finally gave in and got subscription to Creative Cloud. And and you know the Creative Cloud, it's actually really not that bad. I pay for the Photoshop and Lightroom subscription. It's nine ninety nine a month, uh, so it's really not that terrible. And um, if you were buying the upgrade to both of those apps every single year, it would cost you quite a bit more because those apps are probably going to be three or four hundred dollars a piece. They don't even offer them that way anymore. But if they were to offer them that way anymore. They'd probably be three or four hundred dollars a piece every single year, so you're you're saving, you know, quite a bit of money. And um, I don't know how much you're saving necessarily if you go to the fifty dollar plan where you get every single one of the apps. But uh, yeah, Adobe really they I think they know that they have people like you and I locked into those those kind of tools, and it's what we know, and we're going to use it. <laughs> I definitely learned to learn to love the fact that I just upgraded my my. I think both Photoshop and Lightroom last week. So yeah, I didn't really have any complaints after that. And they, they do make it a lot easier now and you can just, it's like, it's their own app store. You can just download the updates and it's actually really, when you think about it, you want to, Adobe's the, the, the company that you want to love to hate and, but you can't because they, they provide really, really great tools and they're finally kind of up to date on the Mac that for a while they were kind of dragging their feet on the Mac. And now it seems in the last few few years they've been really up to date on the Mac, especially with the yearly operating system upgrades and stuff like that. So yeah. And I feel like they did have some kinks to work out when they started out Creative Cloud. They did. They, they had did. some login issues, but there's it's really been smooth um since then. I stuck with CS six for the longest time until I just couldn't they didn't provide updates for it anymore. And I went to Creative Cloud and it was it was past all those difficulties. So I actually didn't have to experience any of those. So I was kind of a late adopter of the Creative Cloud. But yeah, it's you're right. You're absolutely right. It was it's they had some kinks, but they seemed to work most of them out. Well, David, thank you so much for being on the show this week. We're going to is there anywhere that you want to uh, send people to as far as uh, maybe a, a, your own personal website or your personal Twitter account or anything like that? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's DArthurPhoto. Um, I have a website, davidarthur.photography. Um, I forgot to tell you about this before, but I did have one thing I wanted to share with people. Yeah, um, sure. my, my dad is a, a minister in Bloomington, Indiana. He's been preaching for about 30 years. And uh, a couple of years ago, he was diagnosed with a disease called idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Wow. And uh, basically, it deteriorate, deteriorates your lungs. And um, Idiopathic means that they don't know where it came from or how he got it, but really the only uh, solution that they have for him is a double lung transplant. And uh, he actually this morning had the appointment to put him on the transplant list, which I haven't heard from him yet, but I'm sure he'll he'll call here in a little while. But uh, he's working to raise money um, 
So there's some some local fundraisers that are coming up here in the next few weeks. But if uh, anyone wants more information, I'd love for them to take a look um, at uh, his website, uh, patarthur.com. That's P-A-T-A-R-T-H-U-R.com. Patarthur.com, okay. And uh, he's he's on the hook for about $70,000. And uh, he's... Uh, He's a, he's a minister, and ministers usually don't go into the career for the money, so uh, it's a it's a pretty big amount for him. But uh, we've got you know we we've, we've got our faith in, in God to help provide, and we've had some friends and family in the local community has really pulled together in in fundraising for him, and that's it's going very well. But it's it's not over yet. Well, that's very cool, and I, I want to. Well, it's not very cool, but it's very good that you mentioned that because, um, thank you, thank you so much. There's a, I don't know exactly how many listeners we have, but I would imagine uh, that it's it's a, a little bit of a number. And and I invite you to go to David uh, PatArthur dot com and uh, check that out and see if you can support him and and do those things. Do you have any uh, thing like a Patreon or um, Kickstarter or anything like that for him or? Um, there's several ways to donate on the website, but we, we tried to uh, avoid some of those just because of the, the fees that they charge. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, right now there's, there's a PayPal link and I'm going to put a Stripe link up there soon. Okay. Well, great. We will make sure that that gets in the show notes and I'll make sure to mention it at the beginning of the broadcast as well. But David, will will continue to pray for him and guess what? We're going to pray right now. Uh, we're going to pray for, um, your congregation, your ministry, yourself, and of course your father. So, uh, let's have a word of prayer and then let's uh, end our show today. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful day that you have blessed us with. Thank you so much for the gift and the blessings that we have in this country. Thank you so much for our abilities and our talents and all the things that we do to use technology to help you, to help further your kingdom, uh, to help reach more souls, uh, to help preach the gospel to every creature as you've commanded us to do. Lord, please be with David and, and his work at Oak Hill and the, the degree that he's pursuing there in Indiana. Uh, please be with him and his wife and all the things that are going on and help him do what is necessary that needs to be done. Please help him use all the technology and the tools uh, for the betterment of your kingdom uh, that we know we will. Lord, we want to pay, pray a special prayer for his father also, Pat, and that he would uh, not only get on the list, but find a suitable donor and also find uh, and get the money that we, he would need to do to make that less of a financial burden uh, for him to have uh, this procedure, Lord. And we pray for him, for all his family, for David, for all the doctors and nurses uh, that will be tending to him in the next few months uh, as this process goes on. So we uh, lift him up to you in prayer, and we know that you will take care of him and his family. Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you so much for his example. And we thank you so much for his death on the cross to save us from our sins. And it's in his name that we pray this prayer. Amen. David, thank you so much for being on the show, and thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge, and thank you so much for sharing your tidbit about your dad, and, and we will definitely uh, uh, make sure that he gets in the show notes and get uh, prayers for him, and uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, thanks, Chad. I appreciate it, and uh, thanks for having me.